Welcome back to another episode of the Jacob Johnston Show. So this is one of those episodes where I'm going to be like, I told you so. I told you so. What did I tell you about the Republican Party after the election in 2020? That now that they're in the minority, now they're going to pretend to listen. And now they're going to start acting tough. You know, we're going to lead on the issues so that we can regain the majority and hope you don't remember all the promises that we never kept before. I mean, this is why President Trump is the most popular politician, and I say the word politician loosely here, within the Republican Party, because he wasn't just a reactionary. He was an actual leader that had a backbone and did what he thought was right, not, oh, how do I regain you know, a majority? No, he went through, he saw a problem, and he went to fix it as quickly as possible. So here we have it. Marco Rubio introduces legislation to stop big tech censorship. Our democracy depends on it, an article from the Political Insider. So Senator Marco Rubio, Republican Florida, introduced legislation designed to rein in big tech censorship of Americans, telling such companies that they'll be getting no more free passes. Rubio issued a statement to the Daily Caller, in which he accused tech companies on social media platforms of having openly interfered in our election and baselessly censored important topics. Doing so would prevent platforms from censoring people on the argument that the content is otherwise objectionable and insist more definitive terms such as promoting terrorism. Okay, so what is my problem with this legislation? Well, quite simply, Where was this legislation five years ago? Five years ago, when all this censorship started taking place, where was it during the first year of the Trump administration when censorship was out of control? You know, when they started going through and really targeting, where was this during the adpocalypse? Where was this anywhere during the time in which they had the ability to get it through? At a time when we were going off, shouting at the top of our lungs, hey, take a look at what's going on here. You need to fix this. You need to get on this right away while you have the ability to do so. Did they listen to us? No. We told them that if they did not take this issue seriously, that the censorship was all going to be in one way designed to help Democrats and hurt Republicans by only allowing Democrats and Democrat voices to be heard on any issue of politics, especially during an election, and that Republicans would be censored and blocked from being able to get anything out. And what did we see? We see politicians being suspended and banned from social media platforms, not being allowed to run ads. Meanwhile, the Democrats have no censorship. Not only do they have no censorship, but the algorithms are being tampered with in order to artificially boost left-wing voices, giving an unequal playing field of only one side can be heard and the other side not. And we told them how this would interfere in the election. They ignored us. They ignored us. They ignored us. They didn't care. And then the Democrats took the House. Of course, there was a lot of abuse of power, propaganda, and all of that 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 went on in order for the Democrats to be able to get the House. Sure, but they still got it. And that ended any ability to be able to get this through, to be able to nip censorship in the butt as it was just getting started and getting out of control rather quickly. Now that they're in the minority, and now that censorship is affecting their position, their power, now they want to go off and act like they care about this issue. 
Now they want to go off and act like they're tough. So when it was threatening us, silencing us, and destroying our businesses, you know, those of us who make money from creating content and from ad revenues, whether that be from websites, podcasting, video shows, merchandise sales, whatever, when it was affecting us, hurting us, and cutting off ourselves and our ability to make a living, they were nowhere to be found. Completely ignored us in every way, shape, or form. Yet, now that it threatens their power, their ability to be able to remain in office where they don't do diddly squat, but they make a lot of money and they get to engage in insider trading and all the rest, now that it's threatening them, their financial security, their position of power, now they take an interest. Now, all of a sudden, they care. And, of course, they only introduce such legislation when they're in the minority, when they know that there's absolutely no hope that this will ever make it to a vote. Since the Democrats control the House, control the Senate, and you got the fraud in the White House, this has zero chance of ever going anywhere. You ever notice that as well? When they're in the minority, then they start developing all these bills and legislation designed to address issues that we've been yelling at them for a long time. And then when they're in the minority, then they issue the legislation and going, yeah, yeah, just vote for us. Put us back in power. We will get this this legislation through. We will get this issue solved. Then, of course, once the election comes and goes and they retake power in the House and in the Senate or even have the White House on top of that, what do they do? Nothing. So they wait until it threatens their position, their power, before they even really start giving it any acknowledgement. And then they only submit legislation to address it when they're in the minority and it has absolutely no hope of getting through. I mean, this is one of the things that just pisses me off about the Republican Party. They've done this time and time again. Remember how every last one of them promised that if they were in a position, if they had the House, the Senate, and the White House, they would repeal Obamacare? How did that go? Hmm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it all came down to John McCain, but in the end, you know, at least there, they actually produced the legislation. But take a look at all the other things that they have promised over the years, especially when they're in the minority, that if they were to be put into power, that they would get uh, rid of. I mean, take a look at the abortion issue, for example. Where was there ever any constitutional amendment ever drafted, passed, and sent for ratification to the state in order to end or limit abortion? Of course not. But they all ran on the idea, or so many of them ran on the idea that if they were elected, they would tackle abortion. They would defund abortion, at least. Did they ever defund abortion? Nope. Not one bit. They always act like they are paying attention and that they are tough with a backbone when they're in the minority and we're coming up on an election year and they want to retake the majority or they're on the ballot box themselves. But outside of that, they never do anything. They are not proactive leaders in the House and the Senate. The Republican Party, let's face it, they are not proactive leader. They are reactionary followers. They wait until an issue is already out of control before they even try to acknowledge it. They wait until they have no ability to pass it in order to submit legislation to address it. And if by some miracle, if by some miracle they retake a majority and they get it passed and they get something implemented, it is so watered down that it basically has zero effect. But you know what? We really only have ourselves to blame for this. 
for the lack of quality in our leadership and how it's filled with a bunch of spineless rhinos. Now, is Marco Rubio a spineless rhino? Well, let's see here. What has he actually done? And how much did he support the Democrats' baseless Mueller investigation and saying, hey, we just need to continue letting the government target the president, you know, for transparency purposes. You know, we don't need any actual evidence that there was any wrongdoing. We're just going to let the Democrats engage in whatever baseless investigation they want. And if the president interferes or tries to fire this person on a witch hunt, well, then that may be grounds for impeachment. You know, but like I said, we go through and we take a look at what's going on. But we only take a look when they're on the campaign trail. We take a look at what they say, but we don't actually pay attention to what they do once they're in office. How many of their campaign promises did they actually even attempt to keep? Now, I get it. If they write the legislation, they get it through and it gets voted down. Hey, they actually tried to keep their promise. But if they don't even bother writing the legislation or even attempting to keep their campaign promises, then what's the point? And then we don't pay attention. We don't pay attention. Then they come up for re-election. They go unchallenged in the primaries, and then they win by default because the only other option is a Democrat. See, if we want to be able to address the problems in D.C., we need to stop just re-electing incumbents. What we need to do is actually get into the primary fight, challenge every incumbent, or at least every incumbent that hasn't lifted a damn finger that's just content to just coast along, not doing anything major themselves, and at best, just gets one or two viral videos out of, out of a hearing, but doesn't actually introduce any of the legislation, doesn't actually do anything. All they want to do is just get on camera and let other people do all the work, and all they do is vote. And their vote is usually default party line. Boom. You know, we need to get rid of these lazy leaders, these spineless leaders, these do-nothing Republicans that are in office. And the only way that we're going to be able to get through and get them out and replace them with real leadership is during the primary, getting involved in the primary, challenging them, being able to go through and beat them in the primary and then go on to the general. And that's where we get real leadership elected into office, not these people that will only produce legislation as a campaign. You know, um, I don't know exactly how to express it but only do it as part of their campaign, but have no intentions of following through when they actually will have the ability. Now, like I said, I've put a lot of thought into whether or not I should run for the Senate to replace my lazy do-nothing senator. And I've gone through and I talked about this with my wife. My wife, though, has made it clear she doesn't want me to run. She doesn't want me to run because she, under no circumstances, is willing to move anywhere near Washington, D.C., and the strain on our marriage of me being away for the vast majority of the year while she's home alone with the kids would be too much. And I get this. I'm not the only person in this situation where, you know, the move away and the sacrifice of family, you know, is a bit too much. I get that. You know, but there are other offices that we can run for, and I'm looking into what my available options are where I wouldn't have to uproot my family and move to Washington, D.C., which is a snake pit or any of the surrounding area. So I'm taking a look at that, and I'm going to throw my name into the hat you know, for a seat. It's just a matter of 
which one I'm going to go for. All right. So the fight isn't over, but we need more people to just stand up and challenge and get rid of the useless. I mean, it's not just the rhinos that are the problem. It's the lazy, the useless, the people who never do a thing, never lift a finger and only write legislation when it never has the ability to get through. And so we need people that will write the legislation when it can get passed and will stand up to the left. But like I said, I told you so when after the results of the 2020 election that the Republicans, now that they're in the minority and they're on the ballot and they're trying to regain the majority, now they'll act tough. Now they'll act like they're fighting back. And we see this with Governor Ron DeSantis, right? Now, I can't really say a whole lot about DeSantis. I looked up. He hasn't been in office for very long. I mean, what was his first year in office was during the coronavirus pandemic. So now that that's over, he's focusing his attention. But we see this in governorships, right, where they're going through and they're writing legislation saying, we're banning critical race theory in the classroom. And they write the legislation and they pat themselves on the back thinking that they actually banned critical race theory in the classroom. But when you look at the legislation, it really didn't do anything. It just says you can't have a class specifically called critical race theory. But if critical race theory is built in as the fundamental narrative of the textbooks that are used, then critical race theory is still going through and being taught in the classroom. You have to go through and wipe critical race theory out of the textbook right, and ensure that it is out of the lectures that the teachers will give. I mean, if the teachers just start going off and you know, on their lectures, building critical race theory into the lecture itself, and all of these publishing companies build critical race theory into the textbooks, did you really ban critical race theory from the classrooms? And so we need leadership that not only stands up and will take on the big issues, but actually understands the multiple levels in which the Democrats are trying to engage in and will go off and cut it off, not just pat themselves on the back thinking they've done something when they only half-assed the measure. So this is why we need to stand up. This is why we need to get involved in the primaries. This is why we keep losing on all of the issues. Because while we have the right ideas and we're voting for people who will say they will do something about it, they never actually do. We need people who are proactive and, and willing to take on the fight and get to the heart and dig at what the Democrats are doing up by the roots, not just we like what they say and then keep reelecting them no matter how lazy and useless they are. They may be a reliable vote, but they're lazy and useless and don't even bother writing the legislation. Okay, so moving on to the next subject here. So Rudy Giuliani had his law license suspended. Okay, so here is another problem. The Democrats never, ever face the consequences for their illegal behavior or their abuse of power. They have gone through and been able to use numerous government agencies in order to target their political opponents and target them baselessly. And they never face any consequences. In fact, they oftentimes get rewarded. And yet nobody on the Capitol Hill, whenever the Republicans are in power, nobody actually holds them accountable. And I'm actually disappointed with President Trump on this. You know, why did he wait until the 11th hour to even really go through and do anything on the investigation into the Democrats' criminal activities? He should have 
from the moment it was discovered that they were spying on him, should have launched a special counsel investigation into their spying operation and rooted that out. He should have just quickly fired Mueller and replaced them with a new special counsel to go after the Democrats and their illegal behavior. But since they never had any consequences for their past actions, now that they got Biden installed in the White House, and let's face it, Biden, he wasted no time going straight in to corrupt big government, you know, big government corruption using the offices that he now controls to target his political opponent. And the Democrats have declared that it's open season, open season on Republicans, open season to target any political opponent that they want using the offices that they hold. Now, it's one thing as a campaign to hire a firm to engage in opposition research. Hey, that's normal. It's another thing to use official government offices in order to target your political opponent in order to influence the outcome of an election, or worse, to try and target your opponent to try and punish them for having dared call you out on your corruption or to challenge you in an election. And so we see this now that they are going full tyrant. You know, Biden is going full tyrant. The Democrats are going full tyrant. Biden basically told us that we need to surrender our Second Amendment or he'll nuke us. You know, I mean, it is scary times over how tyrannical that he's gotten. But now they're going off and they're targeting Rudy Giuliani and they're trying to send a message. Don't you dare challenge us if you're a Republican in an election. And if we engage in election fraud, don't you dare call us out for it. So from the piece uh, from PJ Media, there is uncontroverted evidence that respondents communicated demonstrably false. And this is why they are saying that they had suspended Rudy Giuliani's uh, law license. Now, there is uncontroverted evidence that the respondent communicated demonstrably false and misleading statements to courts, lawmakers, and the public at large in his capacity as a lawyer for former President Donald J. Trump and the Trump campaign in connection with Trump's failed efforts at re-election in 2020. The 33-page order reads, These false statements were made improperly, bolstered respondents' narrative that due to widespread voter fraud, victory in the 2020 United States presidential election was stolen from his client. Now, first of all, isn't it a lawyer's job to go off and defend his client and try to produce whatever evidence that they can regarding their client's claim? I mean, based off of this, almost every lawyer in New York City, or, or heck, almost every lawyer in the entire country should have their law license suspended based off of this. Because anybody can go off and claim, you made false statements to the court. You made false and misleading statements to the court. Anybody who loses a court case, well, basically, if people didn't agree with what the lawyer was saying, then you could try and claim that, oh, that was false. That was misleading. That didn't go through. And no, so basically, if you do your job for a person that we don't like, then we're going to suspend your law license. But if a Democrat goes through and say, oh, manuf alters documents to manufacture evidence, lie to a FISA court in order to get a spying uh, war a warrant to spy on a political opponent. Oh, there's no consequences there. There's absolutely nothing that happens there. Now, so first off, it is a lawyer's job to put up whatever argument and evidence that they can to support the claims of their client. But 
what their narrative is, is wrong because there was evidence. So the piece goes on, you know, make no mistakes about it. This order is absurd. Coming from PJ Media, Trump's legal team uncovered many instances of voter fraud backed by sworn affidavit, video evidence, and statistical analysis in the aftermath of the 2020 election. States with significant allegation of fraud include Arizona, Nevada, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. So they're going off and suspending his law license for statements that they think are demonstrably false, even though there was actual evidence to back up that there was fraudulent actions and behavior that was backed up by evidence, video, witness, testimonies, statistical analysis. There was actual evidence to back up their claim. But they don't like what the claim was. They don't like being called out, having their legitimacy questioned when they engaged in fraudulent and illegitimate behavior. So it doesn't matter that there was actual evidence of Rudy Giuliani's claim and Trump's claims. That doesn't matter. It's how dare you try to defend the president? How dare you try to defend against election fraud? You know, you went up against us, so therefore we're going to punish you. I mean, they punish him for doing his job as a lawyer and the fact that he made claims for which there was evidence to back up. Even more, there are right now, and during this time when they are going off and suspending his law license, there is forensic audits going on in numerous states. So they're going off and say, hey, you made these claims backing up your client's statement. You had affidavits, videos, and all that. I don't care. We don't agree with what you said. We think it was false. And even though there's forensic audits going on right now, looking into the allegations, we're going to preemptively, even though we ourselves in New York don't have access to any of those things, we're going to preemptively say, hey, that was false. We don't like what you said. And because you challenged uh, the election results using the legal process, we are going to suspend your law license. I mean, this is pure political targeting. And right now, what has gone on during the forensic audits? Well, let's take a look. Uh, let's see here. There has been significant election ir- irregularities that have been exposed in Georgia. Uh, a November memo from a contractor hired to observe the election documents uh, stating massive election integrity problems in Atlanta. Georgia officials conducted a secret investigation into tainted ballots. A whistleblower came forward about a Mark Zuckerberg funded group that seized control of the election in Wisconsin. And there were 33,000 undervotes in Maricopa County, Arizona, which county officials only recorded 8,475. We've also seen that there is problems with unable to provide documentation about the chain of custody of many ballots. So not only did Giuliani have evidence and witness testimony to back up his claim, but more and more evidence continues to surface as forensic audits are being conducted. And yet, in New York, they're going off and suspending his law license, trying to say he made demonstrably false claims, even though more and more evidence continues to surface proving what Giuliani said was correct. But I guess their big statement was, well, it wasn't enough to influence the outcome of the election. Well, we don't know that yet. We actually, you know, that statement that you're making, and trying to suspend his law license, um, you're getting ahead of the investigation. You don't know what is all being uncovered. So again, this is the Democrats using their offices to engage in politically motivated targeting 
of their political opponents, trying to punish them and send a message, don't you dare challenge us. This is pure corruption and abuse of power. But you know what? The Democrats never get punished for it. And here is another issue here for the Republicans. Why don't you ever hold the Democrats accountable? Hmm? Hmm? Why not? So if the Republicans regain control of the House and the Senate in 2022, the first thing they should do is immediately move to impeachment. I mean, there's not only uh, enough evidence, you know, (laughs) not only enough evidence, but it's not only proven that Joe Biden is not constitutionally the legitimate president of the United States, but you can take a look at Joe Biden's actions since being in office and find numerous impeachable offenses, willful violation and breaking laws, uh, undermining the security of the United States, and oh yes, threatening the American people with nuclear weapons if we just don't, if we don't submit to his gun grab agenda. There is enough impeachable offenses right there in order to remove them. And then we'll have a Republican president again, along with the House and Senate, hopefully, and hopefully we have supermajorities, and they better be launching investigations into the Democrats nationwide for their corruption, their abuse of power, and the fact that they are basically nothing more than a criminal organization. And they need to actually hold them accountable for their crimes. And when we say accountable, we mean maximum sentencing for their crimes at all levels. Okay, and finally, well, Black Lives Matter once again engages in acts of domestic terrorism. So uh, this piece is from The Blaze. Black Lives Matter militants set fire at police station over arrest video. A lone cop faces down mob. So here's what happened. So the police respond or pulled a suspect over. Uh, for a traffic violation. Something was fishy, so they brought in uh, a police dog to sniff, and they found drugs, drugs that are illegal in that state. You know, marijuana is not legal nationwide, so this is a person who had prior offenses. And then that person's, um, I believe they say it's the person's brother uh, that had come along. So here's uh, how it goes. Uh, Just before 2 p.m. Wednesday, police pulled over a car for making an illegal turn and changing lanes unlawfully. The driver, Ricky Roderick Price, was heard talking on a cell phone to his brother, Travis Price. As officers approached the vehicle, uh, police said, uh, based on Ricky Price's previous interaction with officers, a canine uh, was called for a vehicle sniff. The station said officers during the search found two bags of marijuana hidden in the driver door panel and a 9mm pistol in the back of the vehicle after which Ricky Price was placed under arrest and handcuffed. Then Travis Price showed up. So here's the issue, right? They go through, they do a traffic stop, they do a, a drugs, a dog sniff for drugs, they find drugs, a gun, and they go to arrest him. And then the guy's brother shows up. You know, the brother should not have been there and, of course, was only there really to cause trouble. Then Travis Price showed up, approached officers, tried to take his brother's belongings into his possession. So his brother shows up, shouldn't have been there, you know, approaches the officers and then tries to go on and take his brother's stuff out of his vehicle, basically trying to take and remove evidence from a crime scene, right? And that's what this is, it's a crime scene, right? Tries to remove evidence uh, from the crime scene, you know, into his possession, and he was told to move back. Police told uh, the station, uh, police said Travis Price used his body to bump officers backwards and continued to try to get near his brother to reach for his belongings. So he goes in, he's trying to remove 
uh, belongings and evidence from the crime scene. He was going through and trying to um, move, push, bump officers out of his way so that he can get to his brother, who was already handcuffed at this point. So this person is already interfering in an arrest, right? So then, you know, of course, there's a bystander there who is uh, recording all of this. And then there is a portion of the video whereby the they're obstructed, the view is obstructed. And so the person recording it gets out of their vehicle. And by the time they get around to see what's going on, there's already a struggle in progress, right? The police are trying to hold the guy, you know, the brother uh, against the vehicle to keep him from being able to get to his brother. Uh, the, uh, his brother, you know, uh, Ricky uh, was already in handcuffs. Well, the guy is still trying to struggle, still trying to push the police out of the way. So what happens? The police wrestle the guy to the ground. In fact, it wrestles uh, both of them uh, to the ground as they are both starting to struggle, right? And the person in the video starts getting, uh, you know, overreacting, starts going off and putting in some narrative. Oh, this is corrupt. Police abuse. They're attacking him. He didn't do nothing. He didn't do nothing. You know, she's trying to go off and basically spin a narrative that isn't actually supported by the video that she is live streaming. So she's going off and trying to say that the police are harassing them. The police are, you know, um, are corrupt and, you know, are just, you know, targeting them because they're black. You know, basically, uh, this person recording the video is spinning off false information and with the purpose of trying to get their video to go viral, of course, you know, for their 15 minutes of fame. But also, they're trying to go off and try and spin an anti-police narrative and incite violence. That's really what this was. You know, uh, it was vastly, you know, what she was saying hysterically had no relation to what was actually going on. And then, of course, um, after the people, after uh, the brother Travis stopped trying to bump, stopped trying to resist, they didn't handcuff him. Instead, they sat him up. And they and he had a little bit of a scratch on his forehead, you know, and that's, you know, the person recording the video goes hysterical over the scratch, right? Well, because of, of this video and that person's narrative, Black Lives Matter thought, ooh, I know, we have an excuse. We have an excuse to go in and now burn down a police station. Oh, yes, yes. So we have a traffic stop, drugs and a gun is found in the vehicle. The brother shows up, starts trying to push the police officers out of the way in order to get to his brother in order to remove possessions and evidence away from the crime scene. The police try to keep them separated. They struggle. They resist. They have to be wrestled to the ground. Right. And then when they stop resisting, they're allowed back up. You know, uh, what is it? Ricky was uh, brought back up to his feet and Travis was was just sitting up, you know, upright. And but because of this person on their video and being a complete moron, Black Lives Matter believes that they had justification to go in, go to the police station and set it on fire. And then, of course, there was a police officer that was outside waiting for the fire uh, truck to arrive, waiting, waiting for firefighters to arrive. And the Black Lives Matter um, mob surrounds them. Right. So this is one of those situations where they don't care. You know, Black Lives Matter. They don't care about any actual truth, facts, or what's going on. They will look for any justification that they can in order to engage in acts of domestic violence, in order to just go ahead 
and engage in terrorism. They are a violent, racist organization. They are, Black Lives Matter is a hate group, an anarchist, terrorist hate group. But because Democrats give them full cover and Democrats go off and help support funding domestic terrorists, they are given a free pass on everything. They, set a, they, they have set entire neighborhoods on fire. This isn't even the first police station Black Lives Matters has set on fire. And yet, if you call them out for being a violent hate group and domestic terrorists, they try to say you're a racist. They hide behind their name so that you're not allowed to actually expose them for what they are. And the Democrats are out there supporting Black Lives Matter, burning down communities, burning down cities, attacking police officers and burning down police stations. I mean, how many people in that police station were in jail cells, you know, whose lives were put at risk because of that? I mean, this is it. You know what? You know, this is another issue. When Republicans retake D.C. and have control of the Department of Justice, they also need to investigate all these acts over the past few years of Black Lives Matter engaging in violence, burning down neighborhoods, attacking people. And they need to go after every last one of them that they can find in those videos charge them with terrorism, charge them uh, with acts of domestic terrorism. They need to go after them, arrest them, and prosecute them for all of their crimes. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Who gives a shit what the media is going to say? This shit needs to stop. And the Democrats keep supporting this shit because the Democrats are actively attacking this country in every way possible. All right. So that's it uh, for this particular episode. I'm trying to keep things a little bit shorter. I see that I'm still bumping up around the 40-minute mark. So, And that was just based off of three stories here. Okay, so that's it uh, for this episode. If you're a first-time listener, don't forget to hit subscribe. If you haven't already, please leave me a rating and review. And please recommend this on social media or just to your friends and family. All right, thank you so much. And I will be back again soon.